Hi, I'm Mick Steely from the Kinetic Collective podcast, powered by Play. Today's guest is Lachlan Wallace. Lockie is a dad to two girls and self-proclaimed washed-up athlete. Lockie's been applying his trade as a coach for the best part of a decade. After completing a Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science in 2013 and half a Master's of Exercise Physiology in 2014, he spent a few years trying to find himself. Although he insists he's still looking, he can focus his energy and commitment on Virtus Performance, which he founded in 2015. Virtus is a gym centred around community, education and performance with a simple goal of delivering a world-class coaching and education experience to its community. During this episode, we talk about how he has dealt with the coronavirus lockdowns and how he has one of the most outstanding side hustles you're ever going to hear about. Join us as we learn more about Lockie Wallace. It's Lockie, mate. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. No, not a problem. Much appreciated. You've given up your time for this. So, Absolute mate, for the ones that don't know you, you want to tell the people listening to your story? My story? Oh, how long have you got? Um, yeah, so... I guess from a from a coaching perspective, we opened Virtus Performance in 2015. Um, been kind of the goal was to bring the the high quality strength and conditioning that you see at you know an AFL or or elite level club back to general pop, um, whether it be you know mums and dads or whether it be whether it be athletes who are trying to make it that level or just trying to do their best, um, you know, weekend sport and kind of the goal was to amalgamate the the high level with community and, and and high quality training and good good things and good people and and we've basically spent the last well, six years trying to do that um you know majority of the last 18 months being locked down but we uh we endure um and i guess before before that what got me to that point was love sport growing up as you know most aussie kids do um football was kind of a number one Love the team aspect of that. Did a lot of running, cross country, and athletics. Growing when you're talking up, talking about football, you're meaning AFL. AFL, AFL. Sorry to all the uh, the northern listeners. Um, Australian rules football was was my love, and kind of grew up without much direction or desire to do anything but play footy. Um, yeah, I yeah, I was pretty good at school. Um, Without having the the dedication <laughs> levels that I was probably probably needed, um, had a brilliantly supportive family growing up, so never really wanted for anything. Was pretty lucky in that regards. But I guess as a kid growing up, didn't really know what I wanted um, out of life, and didn't really know where I was headed. But knew I loved footy, and um, I think the mix of doing the athletics and the running certainly helped football. Um, yep. certainly helped my output on game day and yeah just thought I was going to play AFL and then got to the point where um, I got close but wasn't wasn't ever really good enough um, so kind of had to make a decision post year 12 of holy shit what am I going to do with the rest of my life um, managed to managed to spend a chunk of time in the VFL system um, which for those second who don't follow tier. AFL is just second tier um, so played six six years there um, at Collingwood, which was the club I grew up for, I grew up, grew up following. Sorry, and while I did that, I did a PT course after after school. Did an exercise science degree at uni. Um, did half of a master's of exercise physiology and realised that's not for me. It's not what I want to be doing. Um, and basically spent those, I guess, five or so years of my life trying to go. Okay, well, if not this, then what? Like, what am I going to do? Um, and you know when I realized or it probably took me <laughs> probably took me until a couple of years ago to realize I was just never good enough from a football perspective. Um, but when I realized that hey, the AFL dream probably wasn't going to happen, it was kind of like, okay, well, what's going to fill this gap? Um, you know, I think a lot of, and you know, we run a mentorship program at Virtus and a lot of the kids we speak to who are coming into the industry get in because they love sport, right? But then they don't know which aspect of it they want to fill their day with for the rest of their lives. They don't know which pathway to take or they're not sure. And I guess exercise science being such a generalist degree, I used to I used to look at it as a big, bit of a negative, like especially when I was in it because, yeah. you know, you go and do an accounting degree and you're an accountant or you go do a teaching degree and you're a teacher, um, but you finish an exercise science course and you're, you're nothing really. Um, but I guess having the experience of a, 
of the VFL, time in the VFL in the elite system. Like I was lucky enough to spend a heap of time watching and, and observing how the AFL guys went about their business from a sports science uh, and strength and conditioning perspective, but also from a playing perspective. Um, saw how the system worked, what I liked and what I didn't like. And, you know, for the first couple of years at uni, I wanted to work in that system. And then experiencing it, I was like, this is not, this is not, not for me. me. This is not, not what I want to do. So um, I was lucky enough that I, I, I say lucky, I decided to take a gap year after year 12 and I did my PT course because I didn't really know what else to do. Um, so I spent spent that year doing that and that allowed me to start coaching before I started my uni degree. And um, you know, for any young coaches out there that are at school still and thinking about what to do, I think the one of the best things you can do as a coach is to be, be taking action on the things you're learning and being able to implement that day in, day out, what we're learning. And, and I, think a, I think it's undervalued that, that PT stuff too. I mean, just that experience oh, sure. of, of, of dealing with people day in, day out and yeah, and the it's, actual it's coaching the, experience. Yeah, it's the, you know, everyone talks about the art and science of coaching and I think the, the science of coaching is obviously what we get a, a look at at uni, but the art of science is getting to know people and, and being able to connect and being able to engage and and being able to help people get the most out of themselves. Like that's effectively the role of the coach. Exactly. Um, so I feel as though that helped a lot. I was, you know, kind of learning both sides of the coin at the same time. Um, worked at Rebel Sport as well, which was a ripper job for a you know twenty year old that loves sport and loves getting discounts on on footy boots and stuff. But I think that to kind of like round it out helped me as a you know, young kid that wasn't sure of, that sure of himself of how to talk to people and how to engage in people and um, how to sell more expensive shoes to people that don't really need more expensive shoes. Certainly helps my ability to coach. I think so. Yeah, those those kind of four or five years. Looking back now. Went real quick, but did a few internships um, to try and figure out what it was that I wanted to do. Um, signed up for the the Masters of Exercise Physiology because I honestly just didn't know what else to do instead. Probably and I remember next step. Yeah, and I, I remember I remember having the thought process at the end of my bachelor degree of an exercise physiology degree is like the safe step. Um, you know, I know I can go get a job as an exercise physiologist and get paid a certain amount of money and be be kind of safe. Um, I probably took, it took me 10 months or it took me a year of that exercise physiology de- degree to go, well, this isn't what I want to do. And, you know, no amount of safety or no amount of safety net is worth not doing something you, you love doing and you want to do. So it's kind of a little bit lost doing that, but um, spending time in doing internships and playing footy and spending time with the exercise science side of the, the football club and the strength and conditioning side of the football club kind of forced me to create the job that I wanted to have. Um, and that kind of got me into opening Virtus and, and getting that running and made heaps of mistakes along the way. But here we are. Um, and it's a, it's been a pretty cool, cool, exciting journey to get to this point. Now, you did mention before you spent a lot of time playing AFL football and you've played, you know, and I think you're still playing, obviously not with I'm the lockdown. St- I'm still playing. Now I'm trying to take my own advice as, a, as yeah. an athlete. Now, um, <laughs> we're going to get back to the lockdown in a second. Yeah, But sure. um, I want you to sort of remember and think back, all those years that you played football, if I asked you to, to name a best teammate, who best comes teammate. to mind first? Cool. And then what qualities did they have that made them the best teammate? There's a couple that come to mind. Probably one was our... Our skipper at local level, um, you know, I guess one of the better, one of the positives of playing VFL footy is in an aligned club like Collingwood is that there's only like six or seven spots up for grabs each week because you have all the AFL guys that will come back. Okay. Yep. So we we had a pretty strong uh, connected group from a VFL perspective over a long period of time, um, which I'm forever grateful for. But being able to go back to local footy and we were we had a very successful local club um and that success was was driven by a few leaders that imparted just a level of standards across everything um you know it was the connectedness amongst the team it was the ability to maintain training standards it was the ability to maintain game day standards and to to really be able to trust what 
each bloke was going to bring each game because obviously you have up, ups and downs with form yeah. and things like that where, you know, some days you're just on and the ball bounces your way and some days it doesn't. But I felt and I know the rest of the boys felt that whatever happened, we had each other's backs and we had that that level of consistency to be able to draw on because we knew what each other was going to bring. Um, I'm a big quote guy and I love the quote, um, the standards you walk past, the standards you accept. And the and probably across you know all the successful teams I've played in, I've been lucky enough to be in a successful environments. You know, with my football career, is that's kind of the con- the consistent theme. Is just you've got to. It takes practice to to know how to play the game, but then it takes practice to know how to win, and then it takes practice to know how to keep winning. Um, and I think the standards across all levels is what allows you to do that, and not. You know, not accepting second best. Um, obviously, local football, there's a different level of expectation in terms of preparation and professionalism and, and you know, standards from, say, VFL or AFL football or you, know, same, you can say the same thing about the tiers in any sport. We were expected to do the work um, and expected to show up. And it, when you do the work, you have a certain level of confidence that things will work out okay. Now, would you take those sorts of attributes and would that be look what you'd look for if you were hiring a coach now or someone that you want to bring into your team? Yeah, for sure. Um, there has to be a willingness to engage across all levels of the business. Um, there has to be a, a level of trust. So, you know, and that's, that's something that isn't given or isn't received in the first, you know, three weeks of meeting someone. It's something that takes takes time and takes blood, sweat and tears for lack of a better term. And, you know, for, for example, we, we run our mentorship program um, that's, you know, bounces between 12 and 16-week program depending on how we run it, but that's effectively a that's a hurdle for anyone that wants to be part of our, our team. Um, it's a intentional way to develop that trust and willingness I spoke about. Um, it, you know, I'm it a big... It's time for those traits to come to the surface Yeah, too. for sure, because, you know, it's a coming into a new environment or coming into a different environment is difficult at the best of times. Um, but there's nowhere to really hide when you've been spending, you know, three, four months with, with someone. Um, you get to know who they are, what makes them tick, uh, whether they're a good fit. And it... It allows those standards and consistencies to come through over a longer period of time. Like any, anyone can can uh, almost pretend to play the part for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But um, when you spend a, a long period of time with someone um, and you're able to see their level of consistency and output over a period of time, and same goes for us as coaches as well. They any of our mentorship students get to see whether we do the things we say we would do, whether we have the integrity that we ask for in them. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. Now, you, again, going back to your time as an athlete, what life lessons did you learn there that have influenced you as a coach? I, lo- I love the little like lines of footy vernacular, um, like that people, you know, they're kind of like the, the cliches in interviews. Um, <laughs> Take it but, one day at a time. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Like, I still remember like a couple of lines my coach had said early on. Like one was, you know, football and life has a funny way of paying you back. If you do the work, people will see it and it'll it'll pay you back in the long run. And I think that, you know, as simple as it is, just put just do the work is paramount to anything any success. You know, I'm definitely past the point of my career where I would, you know, work eighty hour weeks and and cook myself to and work too hard to where I yeah. couldn't back it up and couldn't continue on. You got to find that level of consistency from a from a hard work perspective. But really simply put the work in and you know a follow up to that that I really love that we talk still talk about at football now is just do your work early. Um, whether it be early in the day or you know if you're playing a game of football you want to you want to make sure you get to the next contest before you your, your opponents. Um, and in a coaching context, like you want to make sure that you know, early on in your career, you're getting as much good quality information and connecting with as many good quality people as you can, because that allows you leeway later in your career to be able to explore the things that you want to explore. Yep. 
Yeah. Now, I'm going to take you back a little bit. You mentioned before about you dropped out of your ex-fees course because it was you felt that was a safety net for you. Yeah. Now, obviously, and, and the hard work that you put into a business and to, to building your brand and things like that. Now, you've we've been hit by a number of lockdowns. <laughs> you want to tell us how many lockdown, how many days lockdown you've been in in Victoria? Uh, well, for, for those pl- for those playing at home, we're at lockdown number six, and um, I think uh, one of the headlines in the paper a couple of days ago was like two hundred days not out or something like that. So it's two hundred days in lockdown. Um, but as a as a gym owner, and um, our government seems to think that gyms are high risk, which there hasn't been as much evidence as we'd like to see to to confirm that. But we, um, you know, for a, Lockdown one to five, we were first to first to close and last to open. So uh, I think we're sitting somewhere around the 230, 240-day mark at the moment. Um, I remember so we had our fifth birthday in November, Southern November last year, um, and we'd spent 10 months of those five years in lockdown at that point in time when we reopened. So... What have we got? Five years, six. So fifty of sixty months we've been we'd been open at that point in time, and you know, we're seven months down the track now, and we're we've had another couple of lockdowns lately. So um, yeah, it's it's mind blowing to think that we're here again and we're still here. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. We do the best we can with what we have and and you know I'm, I'm immensely proud of our our staff and our, our community and the, you know anyone that's doing it tough at the moment because we are all I find it fascinating that when whenever we like life I love the like the Buddhist side of philosophy where like life is suffering um, and I, I look at that as like an empowering thing because we can find beauty in suffering and so often in our life, suffering is our own. Um, you know, we lose a job or we get sick or we get injured or something happens. We have to deal with it by ourselves. but we're, we're going through a, a period of collective suffering as yeah. a state or as a, as a city and, and as a country industry. at the moment, as an industry for sure. And, you know, usually, say, in the gym industry, we all go through the same stuff, but we go through it in our own timeline our own way and, and things like that <laughs> but now we're dealing with it all collectively and i think it's a fascinating way to look at it because there's so many lessons that we can get either from you know say sydney or going through something that we went through last year in terms of the longer period lockdown not sure when it's going to be finished all those kind of things whereas we're dealing with more short-term lockdowns now but we, there's things we can learn from yeah. other business owners and and other industries that have gone through what we what we've been through. Um, I love the quote: "Those that don't pay attention to history are doomed to repeat it." Um, you know, we can look at, and we're lucky in Australia that we're, you know, we don't have the population density of different parts of the world, and we don't, we, you know, we're an island nation, and we can choose, you know, rightly or wrongly, to not allow or allow a certain number of people in. We. Should I think we as a country and the people making decisions should have paid a lot more attention to what's happening around the world because really? you know it repeats itself and you know you can you can say the same thing for for Sydney now like we had such a big lockdown last year because they sat on their hands and waited for a little you know, a couple of weeks too long to lock to do the lockdown whether you think lockdown or it, lockdowns are the relevant um, response or not is is. Irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. But we waited too long last year and we spent, you know, 10 months of the year in lockdown as a gym. And then you see Sydney deal with, you know, little outbreaks here and there and then, you know, the people in charge kind of say, oh, no, lockdown's the last resort. We don't need lockdowns. And they wait those two weeks too long and then it's a, a six-month, eight-month, 10-month problem rather than a, a two-week problem. Um, yeah, so, so you know, it doesn't make it easy, but, yeah, we're, we're, here, we're here. We've... Um, We've had a lot of experience with lockdowns. It doesn't necessarily make it easier, but I think we, you know, for you could look at it from an athletic perspective. If you know you've had an injury and you've had a recurring injury a couple of times, like the second or third time doesn't get easier. It gets more frustrating. It gets harder, but you become more capable of overcoming 
you've um, experienced that before. The suffering, yeah, for sure. For, for those ones that are in lockdown at the moment, how, how did your you know your business pivot to to deal with those lockdowns, and what were some of the lessons that now, if you've got some guys in Sydney that are listening to this that are in the same issue, what sort of advice would you want to give them with regards to hey, this worked for us, we tried this, it didn't work for us. Mm. Like, what would you sort of give advice? Yeah, for I, th- that? I think. I think the advice I would give is lean back on the reasons you started your business in the first place. Like understand and, you know, make sure you're aware of say what your values are as business owners and as businesses, because, you know, the the whole pivot mentality, I think it's been great for a chunk of the industry, like the jumping on Zoom, Zoom sessions or, or, you know, the telehealth side of things for the allied health guys or, um, you know, home programming, all that kind of stuff. And you've got to find the things that work for you. But, you know, for example, our three of our pillars here at Virtus are performance, education, and community. Like they're they're our three pillars. So we dove, I think first lockdown last year, which was a couple of months, we dove straight into like Zoom sessions. So we shifted our group training onto Zoom and, and things like that. And we realized... We realized after the first three month lockdown that that's not us. That's not our. It's not our jam. That doesn't really drive those values. It doesn't allow us to connect in the way we want to connect. It doesn't allow us to educate our members in the, the way we want to educate. It doesn't allow us to drive the those high performance um, factors that we want to want to improve. So all it really took was a a, sh- a, a basic awareness, I guess. Um, of what was important to us as a business. It's always like a Venn diagram of what's important to us and then what does our community need? Yep. What does the people we're serving need? And, you know, Zoom fatigue is real. immensely real or Google Meet fatigue or whatever you're, whatever you're using. And, you know, the, the last thing most people want to do at the moment is stare at a screen and be told what to do and how to move. So so we, so we the, the pivoting shifted to, okay, well, how can we deliver on those three pillars and how do we give our people what they need and the answer has been a slight iteration of what we're doing now for each of the six lockdowns so for example we use a we use an app like a lot of gyms to to program so we shifted to the programming Um, we upped our accountability in terms of like how often we were checking in and touching base with people we we increased the uh the amount of interactions people could have with us as coaches and with the rest of the community. Um, and we basically created a, a system that, okay, it doesn't matter how many times we get, you know, we get into lockdown, whether it's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, it doesn't matter, but this is how we're our response. What are our responses going to be? Um, you yeah, know, there was a bit of a, there was a bit of um, the premeditation of evils, a few weeks ago, you know, when we were kind of, we were rolling, we'd, we'd had four lockdowns, oh, we had maybe three lockdowns. I don't know where it was, but um, I put together an advisory board with of a bunch of like guys in the local area that I respected and, and, you know, wanted to help me as a business owner be accountable. Um, I put together an advisory board of that and one of the suggestions was, hey, lockdowns are probably going to happen again, right? And I was like, yeah, well, it's 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 inevitable that it'll happen at some point. And they're like, well, what's your plan for the next one? I'm like, well, that's a great question. Like I'll probably just do what we've done. And so I put together like a, a Virtus lockdown guide to distribute to our members while we weren't, while we were out of lockdown to say, if it happens again, this is what we're going to do about it. This is the plan. So you know, obviously programming on the app and, and these are the community events we're going to do virtually to, to check in and you know the people in this area are able to connect in this way and and vice versa and and we're able to deliver here's the plan if the ship starts sinking um here's here's what we do about it and it was either um terrible timing on my part or you know i i knew something that didn't so i, I distributed on the thursday and then we went into lockdown the thursday afternoon um so everyone's like, "What well, did you know something that no one else did? I'm like, I was just, just 
horrendous timing or beautiful timing. Um, so I think it's important to create a plan. Most most plans when you create them need to be iterated and reiterated and, you know, some of them are better off thrown in the bin, but at least you've got a plan. At least you've got a baseline of, of what to work off. So, so now I know like we're in second week of a seven-day seven lockdown, um, you know, I think what is Sydney in like month oh, three of a two-week lockdown. Yeah, week, week eight of a two-week lockdown. So, you know, and, you know, like I think – there's light at the end of the tunnel for us in hopefully a week or two. For for you guys, it's maybe not as it's not as uh, it's not looking good. No, the tunnel's a little bit longer. But there's the way I kind of look at it is there's no utility in you know kicking up a stink and and throwing the toys out of the cot and going, what's the point? I don't want to be here. Like our job as coaches and and you know more loosely as humans is to adapt and overcome whatever's thrown our way. Um, I love the Marcus Aurelius quote, if it's endurable, endure it. <laughs> and it's like, it's as simple as it is. Um, we can get through this. We will get through this. Um, we don't really have a choice in the matter. So best we best we start thinking of what we can do to make the best of Absolutely, absolutely. Now, as a coach, what would you say is your best mistake that you've made? And what did you learn from it? So what's something that you've absolutely stuffed up? I don't know, as a business business owner is diving in into a partnership before I <laughs> realised what, what I was doing. <laughs> um, you can go from the business point of view as well. Yeah. So, so from a business point of view, like, you know, um, I started started Virtus with a business partner and and 12, it was, it's, I, you talk about these things as mistakes, but, you know, when you talk about the biggest mistake you made, you dire- directly follows it is like, here's what I learned from it, so here's what I did differently, right? So, so from a from a business perspective, it was diving into a partnership without really clear expectations of what it looked like and what we wanted. So, you know, my business partner who was instrumental in in setting this place up at the start, uh, 11, 12 months in, decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And you know, I'm a 23, 24 year old kid who's just you know signed a lease on a business and been running this thing and we've been having a heap of fun with it. And, if, and you know, over a couple of months, I was like, I don't know if I can do this by myself. I don't know, like I just bought a house. I don't know how I'm going to keep my head above water. Um, but it forced me to grow up. It forced me to learn how to run a business. It forced me to, you know, keep stock of the back, back of house finances that and all those things that I hated doing because, you know, most coaches – get into coaching because they love coaching, right? They don't get into coaching because they love accounting and love, love running business. And it forced me to get people around me who I could lean on when those things didn't go well. Um, and it's probably a similar thing. It's like as a coach, like getting really, and I think most young coaches go through this in like, okay, this is the way to do this, you know, whether it's a certain method or a certain thing to follow. And not exposing ourselves and not exposing myself to the, thousands of different you know ways there are to get a certain result um we are driven as coaches by dogma a lot of the time in by just following what what we know works um so a big rfi for me as a young coach is being able to see the you know both sides of the coin and being able to see the different ways of getting you know the many different ways of getting the same result um and I think, you know, people like one of my favorite books is Principles by Ray Dalio because it it allows you to cultivate your own rules for how you live your life, for your own principles on how you coach, on how you kind of interact with people, on how you run a business, on how you, you know, look at your own health and well-being. Um, it gives you a framework to build the how I do things um, that is completely malleable to what the new things you learn and the mistakes you make and the, and the impacts you have. Um, and it forces you to look outside and <laughs> look outside your, your echo chamber and go, okay, well, you know, how is this person that I would seemingly disagree with on all these issues? How are they still getting results for their athletes? Like we might both be getting results from our athletes. We're doing it in a completely different way. As coaches, we, we're told to stay in our lane um, a lot. Yep. As, as young coaches and we need to understand what each of the lanes look like to be able to know where our lane is and to be able to draw on lanes. So draw on the different lanes of, of thinking. And I think putting ourselves in positions where we're working with 
physios and osteos and other strength conditioning coaches and exercise physiologists and um, and people that don't believe the same things we do and people that are outside our current belief system allows us to challenge what we what we know because you know we I'm a big believer that when we know better as people we do better when we realize that there's so much more that we don't know we can cultivate a level of trial and error that we don't have the capacity to do early in our careers and having those other those other you know obviously intelligent input can also change and influence the way that you're going to you know be a coach and, and how you're going to deal with things. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, every member that comes into the gym, every staff member, every every mentorship student, every coach that, you know, we talk to at you know, conferences or summits or whatever can teach us something different about not only the strength and conditioning side of things or the you know, athletic development side of things, but also the life side of things. Um, you know, like majority of my favourite books have absolutely nothing to do with strength conditioning have absolutely nothing together nothing to do with coaching and and i almost think of myself as like i'm not a coach's coach where i love strength conditioning i love the i love the adaptation response side of life um and the gym environment is just a place where i have an excuse to to move through that process absolutely I'm going to take you away just temporarily away from you know your life as a coach and a business owner. Where would we find you if you weren't in that space? What would you be doing? What's your hobby you've got? <laughs> I, I I hate this question because it's like if not this then what? And I'm like I honestly don't know. I um I feel as though like those three those three pillars I spoke about before are pretty integral to my life external to Virtus. Yep. Um, you know, the performance side of things. I love competing and I love working hard to achieve a certain result um the education side of things is like that constant understanding of what we don't know and, and moving forward and then the community side of things is like i'm a people person um there's a big part of me that that loves certain aspects of lockdown in terms of like being able to fill my own cup and have my own time and, and things like that but you know i'm a better person when i'm around people when i'm around good people um yeah, one of the little mantras we've got at the gym is just good things with good people and that's effectively what how i try and live my life so in terms of what i do instead i don't know maybe teaching maybe i love writing um i love reading and writing and the more time i spend coaching and running a business the less time i spend doing that and you know lockdown has nudged me back into that side of things so potentially it would be potentially writer i don't know um yeah, it's an impossible question because if it was, uh, in a way, it's an impossible question because I feel as though if if I had a better answer than coach and business owner, I would be, would be doing, doing it. it. Exactly. Um, but I, whatever I'd be doing, I don't think I'd be working for anyone else. Um, I I saw my dad run his own business while I, when I was growing up, and and I kind of you know working at places like Rebel Sport and. And, and you know things like that I kind of realized really early on that I didn't want to work for anyone else I, I'm a big believer that we have all have the capacity to create a life that's by design that you know when you wake up in the morning when you go to bed at night you should be able to do the things that you love to do and the things that fill you up in between um, doesn't mean there's not going to be suffering and difficult times in the middle but it means that the sum of the parts is working to you towards the life you want to live um, so yeah, whatever it would be, I'd be doing it for myself or by myself. But yeah, there'd be people involved. There'd be good people and good things. Can I put another one to you? So something tragic has happened and all of a sudden they've come and knocked on your door and said, mate, we need you to be Prime Minister of Australia for a day. <laughs> all right. What policy are you putting in place that's oh, going to stay there after you've gone? You've got one day. What are you going to do? One day. It's going to stay there after I've gone. Um can we can we throw the hindsight at it and go purpose built purpose built quarantine facilities and some <laughs> some <laughs> some adequate vaccination rollout? Um, what would I do? I would I I find the I say this the right way. I find the commentary around what the government's role in our lives to be is fascinating, right? Like they're from a public health perspective, they've butchered how we how they the optics of the vaccine rollout, for example. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to think that any rational person can see the 
burden of evidence of how the vaccine works and how it's taken 20 years for us to get to this point and, you know, all this kind of stuff and see that the the good far outweighs the bad. doesn't mean there's no bad. It doesn't mean there's not bad. There's, you know, millions of shades of grey, but the good far outweighs the bad. Um, I feel as though it's, it is the government's role to do that. But then there's like the the conversation of, well, why aren't they promoting health and well-being? Why aren't they promoting, you know, movement for mental health? Why aren't they promoting people getting out in the sunshine? And all the things that we know as coaches make for a better, better life. Like I wrote this thing the other day, which was like 100, um, how to survive lockdown in 100 words, um, which we're basically just all the shit we know we should do, <laughs> but don't do for whatever reason. And all the things that, you know, we as coaches promote for our athletes, but don't always do ourselves um, because it's much easier to say to do it than to actually take the action and do it. Um, and I kind of look at it and people are like, why aren't the government promoting this? And it's like, well, I don't, I'm not convinced that it's the government's role to do that. Um, I think on public health and, and wide ranging public health, it's important to promote things like vaccines and whatnot. And of course, if, you know, Dan Andrews or Dan Andrews or Gladys got up in the thing and said, "Hey, go and exercise. Go and get some sunshine. Go and eat good food. Um, you know, go and get hydrated. Make sure you hit your eight hours sleep. All this kind of stuff." People would be like, "Well, we know this already." So I don't. I don't know if I would like to see. I don't have a good answer um, because I think it's such a nuanced conversation that you know it's really easy to sit on the sidelines and throw pot shots at the people in charge. Do I think they're doing a good job? No, they're, they're bugging it up majorly, right? Like on a, on a bunch of different levels and some, like if anyone wants to talk to me about it, I, I find it cathartic to whinge about it, but um, it doesn't help. Like there's no utility in doing that. So I think if I could change one thing, it would be to, to be more transparent with, what they're doing and what they're trying to do and to be able for them to be able to say, we don't know. Like I look at Melbourne's lockdown as well. Yeah. yeah, It's like, I look at Melbourne's lockdown last year and there was a lot of ignorance, forced ignorance around what we were doing because like the whole world had just been thrown this curveball, um, and the way we'd live life for the last hundred years since the last big one, like had, you know, you forget history and forget what's happened in the past. Um, and I think, the thing that frustrates me with this being in lockdown now is like we know why and we know what now, like 12 months on or 18 months on, like we know more but we haven't done better. Yeah, um, still in the same boat. And we're still in the same boat. Like we're still dealing with the same issues. You know, like there's only a certain amount of times that, you know, that a quarantine hub can be can be breached and it can start spreading into the community. Like there's only a certain amount of times that, you know, we can have the same issue happen and – um, and have, you know, uh, let's use ACT have just gone into lockdown over a few cases, a handful of cases. I feel as though they've made the right decision. For the long term. For the long term because, okay, it sucks for a week or two or however long they have to be sucking, but they're not in the position Sydney are now and Melbourne were in last year. Like Perth have done it pretty well, whereas they just go, all right, we've got a sniff of a case and we go bangs three-day lockdown and then, you know, majority of their lives are, are relatively normal. Um, so I think transparency, I think admitting admitting you're wrong and being able to go, we're doing the best we can with what we have. And I think from a public's perspective, I would like to, to help educate in the fact that this is multifaceted. There's so many, so many different ways to look at this pandemic. Um, like I believe gyms should be open because we promote physical and mental health and we're a, we're a so place for connection and, and all of these brilliant things. But I understand the need for lockdowns to an extent. Do I think the that locking down six and a half million people or however many are in, you know, well, I think it was 15 million people locked down a couple of weeks ago across Australia. Do I think that is justified by 100 deaths in from COVID? You know, I don't know. I like, I'm like. i very grateful that I'm not that person that has to make that decision. But I would like to see a more holistic view of health and well-being and you know, I don't care if our, like our gym's off 200 square metres. If we could have three people in here at a time, then, you know, across, three people in here for an hour for 24 hours a day, you know, there's 100 people that, well, I'm very bad at maths, but there's 72 people or yeah. whatever it is that are able to get into a better 
headspace and space mentally and physically to be able to deal with the that we've been thrown at us. Um, Absolutely. And we know how much exercise and movement and connection helps our resilience and helps our our ability to show up every day when things are tough. So, yeah, I would like to see that, but, you know, the there's part of me that understands why that, because you know, as soon as you allow gyms and it's like, well, hairdressers make people feel better, so that's mental health as well, right? And then it's like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, tattoos should happen and this should happen and that should happen. Next thing you know, the whole state's open anyway and we've missed the point. Down. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I would um, – it's an impossible job. I don't think they're doing a good job at it, but it's really easy for me to say that as a punter sitting at home. And sitting on the sidelines. For sure. Um, It's like, you know, you look at AFL or NRL clubs when, when, when coaches are under the pump or whatever, it's the same, same deal, right? It's, um, there's always people who think they can do a better job until they're in, they're in it. And this is not me, not me pumping up government saying, Hey, they're doing a brilliant job at the moment because I think they're, they're cooking it. But, um, yeah, I think we've got to understand that there are so many more factors than what we realize and we don't know what we don't know. And there are, you know, I would like to think that the there are the best minds in our country and around the world trying to come up with solutions and coming up with solutions, even if they don't suit what majority of us think is the right answer. Yeah, but in the long run, it's going to be better for us anyway. For sure. So there's always that story of you know the, the coaching and then the side hustle with the coaching. Now, I know that you've got a little side hustle. Do you want to talk me through <laughs> your side hustle? Yeah. <laughs> and, and give me the background of how that occurred. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously uh, as, a, as a business owner and a, you know, I don't like the term entrepreneur because I don't think I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just someone that likes not having to answer to anyone. Yep. Um, and being big on you know, connection and quality and things like that, um, I've got a group of mates that, uh, a couple of years ago, maybe like 2016, 2017, we'd catch up, you know, most Mondays and sit sit around and have a gin. And I'm not a big drinker, um, but, you know, like getting around, you know, a few beers and things like that, but never really got into spirits. And one of my mates introduced me to gin a couple of years ago and I was like, it's just delicious. Like it's basically, you know, flavoured, like, you know, florally delicious water that's you know alcoholic and you know you put it with a bit of tonic and it's full of sugar and it's delicious right and so we'd catch up every monday and talk and drink gin and talk about running a gin company or talk about hey this this stuff's delicious like why don't we why don't we do it um and then the initial conversations because we used to call it gin mondays and the initial conversations were like it's so hard to find good tonic like we don't know what tonic to use because they're all different for those that don't drink gin Tonics like just sugary water with quinine and a bunch of other stuff in it, but there's a whole wide variety of different types and all of them impact what the gin tastes like. So our thoughts was like, let's create a tonic that doesn't take anything away from the gin and just allows you to enjoy the gin more. Um, you know, from a quality and coaching perspective, it's like, how do we make the thing the thing? How do we not you know add extra unnecessarily superfluous things to it? So. So we started like looking into like starting a tonic company and making a tonic, and we're like, wait, why don't we just make a gin that makes all tonics taste good? <laughs> and and it's one of those Find a solution to your yeah, problem, exactly. And it's one of those things that one of those conversations that I'm sure every group of mates has, you know, every couple of weeks. Like, why don't we do this? But we actually did it. Um, we actually like there's a bunch of us that got together and we were like, is this actually going to be a thing? And then we're like, yeah, I think this is actually going to be a thing. So. So we did our first run of um, of gin uh, called Drops of Juniper, uh, mostly because we love the song and we like puns and it kind of worked. Um, I think maybe like I think it might have been March 2018, um, March, April 2018. So it was one of those processes that we were like, well, we don't really have any money to put towards this because we're all either running businesses or working in local businesses and we we didn't have money to put towards it. So we're like, how do we bootstrap this? So went through a process and you know, anyone that started a business knows that it takes much longer and costs way more than you think it will. Um, and we had our first run of like a thousand bottles of drops of juniper batch one, um, hit everyone's hands in like June, 2018, I think something along those lines. Yeah. Um, anyone that's been through lockdown for more than a week will understand that time is warped 
<laughs> Time's been warped the last couple of years. It rolls into one another. For sure. Um, and we're like, here we go. We've got a gin company. We're going to, you know, we're going to get investment. We're going to blow it off. We're going to sell it to CUB and do all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the, the regular business troubles come up and, you know, this is late or we can't get these bottles or, you know, the closures don't fit or whatever it is. So, you know, the group of us, a few of us put in a bit of money and we started driving it and we contract distilled it and, yeah, we had drops of juniper running and we sold out our first thousand bottles and got started on batch two and got batch two going and then we hit a lot. We hit a, a global pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, didn't have a didn't have a facility like the plan is eventually is to to make our own gin and to and to have a bar and to be able to it's kind of the same same um, community so, yeah it's the same values that I run Virtus off right and like I guess this is why we've connected is because we're all we all believe in similar things it's being able to connect over high quality things and being able to, to enjoy good good stuff and good things with good people um, and then yeah lockdown hit so we you know we had a bit of a spike in sales of people sitting at home wanting to drink gin. Um, so that was a bit of fun. We sold out a batch too, but then due to we wanted to change bottles, we wanted to change labels, we wanted to, you know, take another step in our business. But then we're all working in local businesses that are trying to stay afloat throughout last year. Yeah. So so we sold out, which um, is a great thing in a way, but also a terrible thing in a way because then everyone who wants gin can't get gin. Um, and everyone that – and if can't get our gin, you just go get other different type of gin. So so we went through the the teething issues of not having stock when people wanted it, but also not being able to get it because of all of the all the back end stuff that's got to be done. So yeah, we um we've recently launched our our batch three, which has been, you know, we've got new bottles, new labels. Um and we're we're on the uh the pathway now of going okay where do we want to actually take this thing like do we actually want to be a real gin company or do we do we just want to you know have a bit of fun with, with a few mates and hopefully um over the next couple of years we'll be able to build it into an actual gin company um but i've got a bottle here that i'm sipping on at the moment this is it drops of juniper that little koala on the front little koala and in the bottle. our like our kind of mantra is just like make gin accessible to people. Like we spoke the other day and you said you had, don't really drink gin and I was the same um, and it's so delicious. And for the health conscious people out there, like you get good quality gin and sugar-free tonic and you're living, um, you know, I think it's like coffee. It's like you start off with like all the added extras and then at the end of the day yeah. you're just drinking espressos and, and, and batch brews and enjoying for what it is so now i like just sipping it neat um maybe with a, a strawberry or something something in there but yeah our jo- our goal is just to bring gin to people that don't bring gin but also to make a gin that all of the sugary tonics and all the flavored tonics just cut straight through and just gave you good quality um yeah so it's it's been a it's been a fun ride to kind of do gym gin and the gym business at the same time like they're they're completely different worlds but I think you're like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And, and there's so many things that interrelate between the two. Like it's a, you know, we're not in the gym business, we're in the people business. Like we're not in the alcohol, alcohol business, we're in the people business. And it all it is is about connecting with good people. It's about, you know, being able to express and share high quality things and being able to, being able to find ways to improve and make things better and to grow every day. Like, the the meaning of Virtus is it's just Latin for excellence. It's just about being able to be better every iteration of a thing you do or every time you show up or every coaching session. And you know, that's the way I try and live my life and that's the way I try and run we try and run our businesses. Um yeah, it's 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 been fun. It's it's kind of cool to see how uh, you know as coaches we get pretty sheltered into how, you know, we get worried too worried about a stretch shortening cycle or you know how to do a certain certain exercise. But Ultimately, it's all all of it is just process orientated into trying to create the outcomes we want to create, and it's it's been cool to see how many similarities there are between running that kind of business and this kind of business because they are by no means in the same ballpark, but all the same the same stuff applies. If you could get credit for creating any piece of art, so a movie, song, a painting, a monument, what would you take credit for and why? Great question. Um, a book. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite book? So, so not necessarily my favorite book, but Meditations, Marcus Aurelius is just like I think yep. it's 
it sh- should be required reading for everyone um, just because it it's all about like I, lo- I lo- love the ideas of stoicism um, like courage justice temperance and wisdom I like I love those four cardinal virtues of of being able to accept what is being able to do your best in any situation to be able to keep showing up and to be able to to overcome whatever obstacles are in your way like I love the whole mindset around stoicism and I love the I love the simplicity of it um, but I love how powerful it is um, and like I love reading um, I don't do it enough but obviously lockdown <laughs> gives you a little nudge to it so like I'm rereading like I'm actually rereading at the moment I've got it sitting right in front of me I'm rereading meditations at the moment by Marcus Aurelius and it's just you can read the same line every time and it's just, it's time. Like for a book that like, this is always, this is a translated version because I, I'm not great at translating ancient Greek to, to English, but for a book that's written 2000 years ago to be translated, but still hit so hard, like every line is yeah. I think so powerful and It'd still be relevant. Too. Yeah, exactly. Like we talked, like I talked before about principles by Ray Dalio, like it's effectively principles is almost like a modern day meditations in, in different ways. Um, it's just you can have an actual conversation or hear from Ray Dalio, whereas you, you obviously can't hear from from Marcus Aurelius. So if I if I could have the credit, I would love to have been the guy that thought of that, um, yep. or even you know Mark uh, Ryan Holiday, um, pretty well known author on like basically revisiting all the wisdom of the Stoics and putting it in easily. 21st century consumable way where you know his books obstacle is the way it was probably i read it what three or four times during lockdown last year where like things were really tough like i remember early on yeah where like JobKeeper had come out but i couldn't get JobKeeper, and like i felt kind of fell through the cracks as a business owner and i was like i don't know where when i'm gonna get paid like i had a six-month-old daughter at that stage like trying to run a business trying to pay a mortgage you know all of these difficulties coming up, but reading those books allowed me to kind of go, okay, well, it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter what happens to us. It just matters how we deal with it and how we overcome it and how we respond to it. Um, That's basically the definition of resilience too. For sure. Um, Yeah. Like I love the, I love the Viktor Frankl quote is like between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space, our power to choose our response, like, and our response determines whether we grow or whether we shrink and we all have at the moment a responsibility i don't know responsibility is the right word a responsibility or an opportunity to respond in the best way possible um coaches and the coaching fraternity talks a lot about leadership and talks a lot about being able to bring people along you know to to do good things and i think this is the ultimate test of like self-leadership is it can you show the integrity and do what you said you would do can you you know the advice you're giving your athlete like i guess i one of my favorite parts of being an athlete at the same time as being a coach like because i'm still playing footy i'm 29 i want to keep playing local footy for the next four or five years one of my favorite things to ask myself is okay what advice would i give one of my athletes in this situation like i run our strength conditioning at our local footy club and i go okay what would i tell the boys and then i go well i've got to take my own advice now and go do it but this is effectively an exercise in taking our own advice as coaches because we all know what to do i think um we've just got to do it and it's almost like they're looking to us to lead as well yeah exactly like the um the impediment, like uh, there's another another quote. Actually, it's in it's in meditations. I'm going to read it. Um, <laughs> the impediment impediment to action advances action. Like what stands in the way becomes the way. Like right now, there's something in the way of all of us, and it's not going anywhere. Like we can all agree on that. It's not going anywhere. So the follow up to that is, do you take path A, which is like kick and scream and throw your toys out of the cot, or do you take part B and do your best you can? And obviously, we're all going to do part B. <laughs> we all want to do part A because it, you know, it's cathartic to kick and scream and to blame people, but it's on you. Um, you know, you're in charge, so it's on you to go go do that walk. It's on you to get to bed early. It's on you to you know to connect with your athletes. To be honest, it's, you know, some people may may feel the need to kick the toys out because if that's what they need at that time, and as long as they feel good with that, yeah. that's fine. But also, but remember that that's not the be all and end all. You then need to get back on track. Like, yeah, have sure. your little break. 
do what you need to do, get back on the path. Yeah, I think feeling how you need to feel is immensely important. Um, and But knowing that the follow-up to that, um, like, like I said before, I, I like writing and I shared something the other day that was like how to – are you feeling overwhelmed? So am I. Here's what to do about it. And it's like a big part of that and, and being able to overcome that is just cultivating awareness, right? Like if you're grumpy, the you know, when – Gladys jumps on the TV and tells you that lockdown's being extended. Okay, what can you do to allow yourself to overcome that feeling? And for me, it's journaling. Like I write a page of thought, my thought process every day. I've been doing it for like 1,100 days in a row. Um, is it, you know, talking to someone and, and, you know, having some verbal diarrhea to go, here's all the things that are frustrating me, blah, and getting it out. So you're like, because you feel, we feel better after that. Like, is it going for a walk? Is it going for a run? Is it grabbing a kettlebell and and you know and and getting the kettlebell swinging like whatever it is? I think we need to cultivate an awareness of what we need in specific uh, times. How we respond, yeah, and be respond, a, to be able to respond in the best, most effective way possible. Because no one's coming to save you. Um, like you've got to save yourself. And as much as there's people around us that are there to support us and to help us, um, you know, this isn't magically going away. So you've you've got to take it on yourself and, and take that self-leadership and do something about it. Now, do you have a best motivational or a last stand pump-up song? Oh, oh. I'm, I'm like the worst pump-up song person because like I <laughs> I could go into a game of football, listen to Enya and play my best game ever. Um, <laughs> so I don't really um, – yeah, I don't have one. Like I think if I really need to kick up – like listening to like a Jocko Willink like yeah. spiel over music, like his um, one that's just good. Um, like anyone hasn't heard it, just Google Jocko Willink good. good. And yeah. it's just, it's like something bad's happened, good. Like, you know, this has this thing that you wanted to happen hasn't happened, good. Like just deal with it. Um, yeah, so I'm not really like a music to get me pumped up kind of person, um, much to everyone's dismay in the gym when like, you know, <laughs> everyone's doing max deadlifts and I'm just like, just kicking around with some like something really chilled out, but um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's my pump pump up rather than rather than tunes. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Now, why do you refuse second best? I refuse second best because like life is short. We're here for a, for a finite amount of time, and if we allow ourselves to choose second best for one thing, like I said before, the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. If we decide to choose second best in the way we show up for our job or the way we show up for our training, then it permeates through the rest of our life and we end up living a life that isn't true to the highest quality version of ourselves and i think that is potentially the biggest disservice we can ever have or ever give to ourselves yeah beautiful now if anyone wants to reach out to you and have a chat and obviously you've got some questions and you're you know maybe dealing a business owner dealing and struggling with the lockdown what would be the best way to do that sure uh probably best way is just jump on insta um I'm at the excellence coach, um, Virtus, at Virtus Performance, Travertus One. Reach out to either of those. Feel free to email me, Lachlan Wallace at virtusperformance.com if you've got any questions or queries or I want to jump on a Zoom and catch up. Um, I have a finite amount of Zooms left me left in me for the rest of my life, but I'm more than more than happy to uh, to oblige, especially if you know someone's going through something. Um, I think I'm I'm where I am because. Like I stood on the shoulders of giants. I was able to connect with some great coaches and business owners early in my career that helped me survive, <laughs> like for, for lack of a better word, help me get to this point. And if I can offer some semblance of wisdom to help you do the same, I'm more than happy to. Outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. And what about your gin? You're going to give a shout-out for gin? where you can find yeah, your gin? Yeah, for sure. Dropsofjuniper.com.au. Yeah. Um, we're on Insta and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, 15% discount at the moment because we're in lockdown again. So lucky six for the uh, for the lockdown discount. So feel free to dive on that. Um, we've got regular strength and Navy strength. It's it's pretty good, I promise. Um, like we kind of – we got stuck into starting a gin company and almost like accidentally made a good gin. Um, <laughs> like – like we, it was, just, it was almost like a drinking on a Monday. For, for sure, it was almost like a secondary outcome was the fact that we ended up with a good gin. So we're actually really happy. Um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, follow follow our journey. It's just five blokes that are trying to make good good gin. So 
yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun and I promise you it's good, Gene. If you don't like it, send it back. <laughs> Mate, absolutely outstanding to have you on. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Mate, thanks for having me and um, keep going. You're, uh, we'll get through this. Thank you so much for listening to the Kinetic Collective podcast powered by Play. If you are looking to take your weight room or training facility to the next level, you can't go past Play. Play provides turnkey solutions from the ground up for any project whether it's your team's weight room or a state-of-the-art training facility. For more information, please visit play.global. If you've enjoyed listening, please give us a follow and ring the bell to get a notification for when we post next. 